This is the Ezra Podcast. This is the boxing edition of the Ezra Podcast. Busy fight this weekend. I'm not sure which is, you know, the biggest fight this weekend, but there's the busy card, and I'm just going to cover them all equally, I guess, because usually I start off with the biggest fight, but let's just start off with Miguel Burchell versus Jeremiah Nakatila. And Nakatila, who is, you know, should be known for his uh, last fight against Shakur Stevenson, where, you know, Shakur got a lot of criticism um, for not really uh, putting his foot on the gas. Uh, a lot of that could have came from Jeremiah's, you know, strength and what uh, Shakur was feeling in there and didn't feel safe enough to, you know, really go and try to get him out of there. And now Miguel Burchell, who's moving up uh, in weight for this fight, whose was la- uh, last fight was dispatched uh, by... Oscar Valdez and Oscar Valdez is like biggest performance of his career and in a performance I did not see coming. I picked Burchell in that fight. I thought uh, Valdez had looked vulnerable in a lot of other fights against, you know, to me, lesser opponents. But he just looked dominant in that fight and puts Miguel Burchell to sleep. I mean, so much so that whenever my uh, wife sees someone get knocked out on TV, she says they get knocked out like Burchell. Right. So th- th- this left an impression in people's mind. That's how, that's how, um, Vicious of a knockout, it was, and you have to, you know, kind of wonder, what, you know, what did that do to Burchell? You know, a lot of the times, you know, guys don't just recover from those kind of knockouts, right? Like a lot of times, that those are career changers, and that knockout looked like a career changer. Now, Jeremiah, to me, from what I've seen, besides the Shakur Stevenson fight isn't the most highly skilled uh, fighter, right? And it seems like he relies on a big, heavy right hand. That's going to make or break him in a fight. Now, with Miguel Burchell, he's the kind of guy that you could land a big right hand. If you have one big shot, you could probably land in a Miguel Burchell. Because with Miguel Burchell, it's not about um, what you can land or what you can give. It's about what you can take. And Miguel Burchell is going to make you take a lot as well, if you want to plan on winning a fight against Miguel Burchell, you better be ready to take some damage and take some shots and take some combinations, take some flurries. Now, Miguel Burchell is, you know, kind of relying on the last performance was just because of a weight cut, right? And the weight cut he just couldn't make anymore. We're going to find out to be very soon in this fight if it was a weight cut or if Miguel Burchell is just, you know, either shallow of himself or was never that level of fighter. Now, in this fight, even if he's not that level of fighter, he should still be able to pull this out, right? But to me, it shouldn't be competitive. This should not be a fight that Miguel Burchell struggles in. It should not be a fight that Miguel Burchell is going to have to squeak out. It should be a fight that he's very, very comfortable in and wins by a wide margin, if not get the stoppage. Now, how do I see this fight playing out? I think Burchell's going to start off by moving around the ring. He moves a lot more than um, I think people realize, right? He moves around the ring. I think uh, Jeremiah's going to start coming out, looking to put pressure, looking to land a big, heavy right hand. And I think then Burchell's going to look to walk him into some big shots. I expect him to start opening up as soon as maybe the end of the first round and just start walking Jeremiah into big shots. And, you know, I see a lot of, uh, exchanges, a lot of holding, a lot of flurries, and 
I think Jeremiah could land the right hand here and there. I think Bridgeout still just going to land more. His offense going to mean more. It's going to be coming from you know wide angles, more variety, big body shots, and I think that eventually that pressure breaks Jeremiah. And I'm going to expect Miguel Bridgeout to walk away with this fight. Um, you know, maybe he drops uh, Jeremiah in the fifth, and I expect him to get a stoppage in the seventh. Um, you see, Bridgeout could look, you know, return to form that what he looked like before the Valdez fight. And maybe that he could, you know, if he looks impressive and he looks like the Bridgeout that we remember we saw before Valdez, maybe it was a weight drain, right? Maybe it was just a weight drain for that fight. But if it's, you know, we start seeing Bridgeout in a competitive fight in this fight and he starts letting Jer- Jeremiah land, and it, we, you know, if he is just a little bit off, right, or just a little bit, this could turn into an absolute war. This could turn into big shot after big shot and just trading. That could get interesting, but I don't see that. I don't see that. I think Prichel did get knocked out. I think he did all these things. He took enough time, enough break to come in this fight and get back to form. Next fight we have, and it's on a different card. This will be on Showtime. This is the first fight of their, you know, the new schedule they just laid out. We got Tim Tazu versus Terrell Gashau. And I think this is the excellent matchmaking. And I think a guy like Gashau is kind of shows, you know, that PBC, you know, really looks out for their fighters, but they know how to use their fighters. Because Gashau's never been a guy that to sell, um, you know, uh, to get a lot of views or sell a lot of tickets. He's not really even an entertaining style or even has any like you know consistent he hasn't even been consistently winning right he's actually taken two losses all those things on any really any any other uh promotion or network this dude is not seeing any tv time but the pbc doesn't give up on their fighters like that and what they do is they know how to market them or they know how to match them up to where they can still get tv time it's still interesting and they maybe could build back their career and get them some more paydays right to make him a, a career fighter. See, that's the thing. Terrell Gashal's a career fighter. He makes a living off of this. And the PBC from, you know, when he lost to Laura, I just thought, like, oh, this guy's not this level. And then you watch him, and you're just like, he's just not entertaining. And then he fights Lubin, and, you know, it's a, it's a really boring fight. Then it gets interesting late where he gets uh, actually hurts Lubin, which is a little too late. Then he comes back and gets a devastating knockout over Clark. And it was just like, you know, he would have never been in that situation with Clark anywhere else. But in the PBC, he is. It's, it just shows that, you know, they, they take care of their fighters. And he's in an interesting fight here against Tim uh, Zhu. I want to say Tim Tzu, just because of his dad. But it's just Tim Zhu. And uh, Tim Zhu, who was built in uh, Australia. His dad, you know, legend uh, in boxing. And a lot of times, you know, when not... Not the most successful stories, right? Um, especially like when the dad's an absolute legend. It, it turns a lot more into, uh, you know... Well, let's put it this way. Chavez Jr. is like a success story in a way. As far as like having a dad as a legend in boxing. And Chavez Jr. is like not really a success story when in boxing. But just that's the way to put it, right? So, Tim Zhu, who people thought maybe it was just a hype job. People think like, well, who is he really being? You know, is... Would he have a chance against Charlo or Castano? In a fight that he, you know, Castano, he was willing to step in to fight Charlo if Castano was going to pull out. 
um, is now coming right to the States. And he's, he's signed with PBC. And now he's going to fight Terrell Gashow, which uh, should be setting up a fight down the line versus the winner of Castano uh, Charlo. And we're going to, you know, look to see to find out how real it is, right? How real uh, his performances are because they've looked pretty impressive. And uh, I sat, I, I watched the whole Hogan fight before doing this podcast, and he looked damn good, I'm be honest with you. And there's the things that I liked. He fights tall. He keeps a good range at all times. He keeps himself in positions where he can strike at all times, right? He can punch at all times. He's a stalker. He's calm. He's patient. He, you know... Puts uh, a lot of his shots, but doesn't get wild or doesn't, you know, make his shots too wide. He does that. He has step fakes. He's a solid jab. He has good power. All these things are, I'm like, this is a very good fighter. Now, we're going to have to find out, just like every other fighter, you know, what level is he now, right? Uh, what level is he going to be? What level is he going to start? You're going to start seeing that he, you know, m- maybe struggles or has a hard time competing at that level, right? Drogashev is an excellent uh, guy to come in to fight. Now, he is not proven to be at an elite level, but he's proven to be a good fighter. And w- especially with the performance with Lubin, where, you know, he rocks Lubin, he's kind of like in a boring fight with him, but, you know, it's not like Lubin could just like run through him. If he could run through uh, Gushel, right, and it's a good measuring stick to see where he's at. Like if we're using Lubin, uh, you know, as a measuring stick, who's going to, you know, could be fighting for the title next. After, if he beats Fondora, then you, it gets really interesting, right? If Tim Kazuka could just run through Gache, which it, it isn't easy, right? Saying all the, you know, the negatives I said about Gache, he's a good fighter. He's not a, he's credible in the ring. He knows what he's doing. He's not a tomato cannon at all. And Gushel, who has a new confidence, right, and is sitting more on his shots and might be coming into his own a little bit. And maybe in the Lubin fight, show that he, he, I can be at this level. Maybe I just need to take a little more chances, right? I need to believe in myself a little bit more. I think that you're going to you get in this matchup at the right time. I think this, uh, Zoo is going to put that forward pressure. I don't think that, I don't think that anyone has really showed him or deterred him or curbed his confidence and be like, I can't apply this constant forward pressure. And I think Gushel really believes in his power right now. And he really believes in his timing. And I think that even though he might take a back step in this fight, I think he's going to be looking to land. I think Tim, Tim Zoo's going to be looking to land. I think we might have fireworks early in this fight. Now, Terrell likes to fight at his own pace, and it's kind of a slow pace. He does a lot of staring. I think the way that uh, Tim Zhu fights is going to force him to go at a faster pace. I think that, like, well, I said that there'd be fireworks early, and he might land some good, clean right hands early. If he doesn't hurt to Zhu, right, or, you know, deter deter his forward pressure, that might he might struggle later in the fight with the pace, and I think he might get tired, and I think that, those uh, feelings might sneak in back in his head that he's not this level, right? And in the second half of the fight, I expected it to be a lot more Tim Dezoo. I mean, <laughs> Tim Dezoo, Tim Zoo. And I think that once Gushel gets on the ropes and starts maybe falling over the place and Zoo's pressure is constant and he's getting more confident, 
and how how he works. You know, because when the when there's clinch, he still finds a way to get enough space to land clean shots. I think that pressure just gonna it's gonna fold Gouchet. And I think Gouchet will get stopped later in this fight. I'm gonna say around the ninth round. And you know what's funny? I was like, no, it's like whenever I stop, say like a fight's gonna get stopped later, it's like the ninth round. Uh it's because it's the start of the fourth, you know, like the fourth quarter of a fight. That's why, you know, that's why that number always comes to me. But it's, you know, like ninth or tenth round is what I mean by that. But I think that he's going to get stopped eventually in this fight. I think he's going to put up a credible performance. It's going to be one of those things where you're going to be like, I, I want to see him again. This is, I think both guys are going to do well in this matchup. I think both guys are going to come out sellable at the end of this matchup. I think Tim Zhu is going to be a credible threat at the end of this night where we're going to be like, I want to see him fight these guys. I want to see him fight Fondor. I want to see him fight Lupin. I want to see him fight Charlo. I want to see him fight Castano. And I think he's going to put himself in for some big fights. And I think that the way he fights, this charisma in the ring, all these things, he, he does have a charismatic way of fighting in the ring. And that's a thing that I think makes stars. I think that's like one of the biggest star qualities of uh, like Conor McGregor in the in the UFC, that's a, it's a real thing. It's just when you watch him fight, you for some reason when you're watching the, the him in the ring, you just, your eyes go automatically to him. It's just like about his presence in the ring and all that. It's a real thing. It just that has nothing to do with the personality. It's just the way he he moves in the ring, the way he. Um, the way he stalks, uh, he's, everything just seems like nothing seems like it's wasted movement. He just has something to him, and I just think I see this guy. And I'm like, this could be a star. You know, there's a lot of guys like that box and fought defensively, and they get booed, right? Floyd doesn't. He gets reaction out of you, and when Floyd's in the ring, you're watching Floyd the whole time. It's just something about being charismatic in your style and the way you fight. I think Tim Zoo has some of that. I'm not saying he's highest. Le- he's going to be the highest level. I don't know. We're going to have to see that, right? I'm not 100% sold on that. I think he's a very good fighter. I think he's going to be a tough out. But, like, could he beat uh, Jamal Charlo? I don't know. Jamal Charlo is a, a world-class level fighter. He's a pound-for-pound level uh, level fighter. And Tim Zhu has not been tested enough to kn- for me to make the leap to say that he could compete at that level. But I do think that he has some star qualities to him. I do think that he is going to, when he fights, people are going to watch. And I think if he can be a legit contender at this weight division, I think that, you know, you have some star making qualities here. So I'm going to take Tim Suzu, ninth round stoppage. I think the first half of this fight is going to be a war. I want to predict that now because I think that, I don't think a lot of people maybe think that or see that, but that's what I see. Watch it just be a, the boringest first six rounds. It's just Lubin uh, Gouche all over again. Okay, let's go to the next fight. We have Josh Warrington. This is like a you know your uh, eleven o'clock start time card. Josh Warrington versus Kiko Martinez. This is a rematch. I think that a lot of people are uh, not remembering that this was a rematch and a competitive fight. It was a majority decision for Josh Warrington. And Kiko coming off a big win over uh, Kid Galahad. Big knockout to make him a world champ. And Josh Warrington coming off of, you know, a no contest versus Laura. And before that, getting completely slept by Laura. It's actually an interesting fight I, to me on paper. Like, on paper, it's very interesting to see where does Josh Warrington have left, right? Kiko now has a new confidence. He's a champ. 
but he's later in his career, but he's, you know, more experienced. And is Josh Warrington kind of like damaged goods? Because when we seen the fight stop, well, Laura was early, but he was getting hit a lot again. And it did kind of seem like, oh, no, he's going to go out again. And there's a reason why that fight didn't happen the third time. And now, you know, in a fight that he, a rematch that he was competitive in the first fight and was hit in the first fight and was, you know, rocked a few times. Is he going to be able to hold up to Kiko's power? But is Kiko at older age going to be able to keep up with Josh Warrington's pace? And will Kiko give up, give up way too many early rounds to, you know, adjust to the speed and the distance and the range? And will Josh Warrington be able to hold up to the punches that Kiko's going to land? Because Kiko does, is going to find his range and Josh Warrington has bad defense. And he needs to be set to strike. I keep saying strike if I'm talking about MMA. He needs to be set to punch. And when he flurries... He loses all defense or even not even defensive minded when he does that. And Kiko later in the mid, mid and later rounds is going to start getting his timing. A little more of his confidence, a little more of his range to start finding those shots. I think Josh Warton is going to win the first part of this fight just on activity. I think around the 5th, 6th, 7th, Kiko's going to start finding his range. Start landing the sweeping right, step in left hook. And I think Warrington will feel that. I think he will be hurt. I think there will be some survival. But I think Kiko's age is going to show late again. And Warrington's going to be able to outwork him. I'll take Warrington a decision in this fight. I think it's going to be very interesting. I think there'll be some very exciting moments. But just not enough from Kiko. Or I think Warrington will win the world title. I don't think people are saying Laura. I think it's Laywood. I think they're obviously laying down the groundwork for that. Warrington, Laywood, and uh, I think that's a very good fight. I think that if Kiko lands, uh, you know, some big shots in this fight, I think you have two massive upsets back to back. And this one, this one would not be to me too surprising if that were able to happen, just because we're Josh Warrington's position defensively and where he gets himself when he flurries. This is a, to me, a, you know, I've, I've been used to, been spoiled since last year of like fight weekends like this where you had three uh, great cards with three solid main events. And, uh, you know, to me, really interesting to see how they play out. There's always, to me, more storylines to these boxing cards than, you know, they're given credit for, or, you know, at least the promoters take the time to tell. They don't really. And to me, like Burchell versus Jeremiah, which is a fight on paper, just seems like, ah, oh, just one-sided, get back fight, stay busy fight. But if you think about Burchell and what everything he went through to get to this, you know, everything he went through in the Valdez fight, now all the questions he has and is he damaged goods? And a guy like Jeremiah who made Shakur stay home, right? Not take the chances, just take a decision. It's like, well, what, what was he doing? What did Shakur fail in there? What does Burchell have left? It's, it, it could, with those storylines, it makes it a lot more interesting than just saying, oh, Burchell's coming back and it's like a tune-up fight. I don't know how these uh, promotions could do a better job with it. Hopefully my podcast helps, right? If you listen to my podcast and you're like, okay, I feel like I have uh, some intrigue. I have a storyline now. I, I have a little bit more uh, interest in these fights. That's what, I, that's what I hope this podcast achieves kind of at the end of the day. Thank you guys for listening. It's been the S-Raw Podcast.